Hey guys, it's Cam and Damon from Homebrewed. We're somewhere different today. We're here at Jack Nico's brand new studio in Tugra. And obviously we're now chatting yep. to Jack Nico. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. I Thanks say for welcome, here. but really, you're welcoming us. I'm welcoming you to my studio. studio. We're, yeah. we're in a studio, but it's not the normal Coast FM studios. Yes. Tell us, I mean, we're here now. We might as well start here. Yep. Tell us a little bit about the studios. You haven't been here all that long. Yep. And what sort of inspired you to create your own studio? Yeah, absolutely. So the studio is called Sonora Studios. I set it up, I was originally thinking about this quite a while ago um, when. I always wanted my own space where I could set things up the way that I enjoy, you know, working and my workflow. And I've fortunately got to work at some phenomenal studios. So I tried to keep a lot of the little quirks and things I liked from all of my experiences. Um, so we started building in October. Uh, from about April, I'd been in here working with a lot of local bands, some from Sydney, Wollongong, Newcastle as well. And then officially we launched only yeah, only five weeks ago and it was really cool. We've had a really good response from a lot of uh, local artists reaching out wanting to record here. But the big thing was I think as you do, it was always a bit of a, a vision to set up things exactly as I would want them being a producer, engineer and, and really just catering an environment for artists to feel really relaxed and they can just be at their most creative. I was really interested in that when we were, I was reading kind of about Sonora Studios and, and what it came about. And I suppose it makes obvious sense that each producer would have different styles and workflows. But to the layman, could you explain <laughs> why why it's important to set up a space specifically to cater for your style of, of producing and engineering and mixing? Yeah, absolutely. So when, when I'm referring to, I guess I set up a space that suits my workflow, um, that is for bands to be able to record live is a big thing. So a lot of the bands I work with are, you know, surf rock bands, indie bands, indie punk, grunge, a lot of that world where the majority of the time they play together, they rehearse together, they play live together. So with the setup here, we've got the big live room where we can have a few of them in at the time. Upstairs, there's the rooms where we can put all the guitar amps so we can have a four or five piece band playing live and have complete isolation in the recording. So that was a big thing workflow wise I wanted to do. Then more on the artist side, it was um, what we were talking about before we started filming was the um, nice, open, relaxed space too. I don't like some studios can be real dark and dingy and have that grungy feeling, which isn't aesthetic and cool, but I didn't really like that feeling. And then on the flip side, I don't like those studios that are like really hi-fi and everything's like a million bucks and you feel like you're in, you know, you feel like you're visiting the Apple store. So I tried to base, almost make this feel like, you're in your lounge room, but in a really nice, open, relaxed way. Everything's neat. You can see where everything is. Everything's comfortable. Um, so that was the environment I wanted to create. And yeah, workflow-wise, it was more the ability that I can record bands live and have up to 20 different microphones recording things at the same time. Yeah, cool. And I mean, to those listening and not watching, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see a bit. But it is, um, you've definitely delivered on that ambition in terms of creating a relax. It's very nice, relaxed, comfortable space. So, yeah. The um, couch is pretty good too. The couch is, that was probably the thing I was most excited about when I came across that. Um, I saw it instantly. I was like, oh, this has to be it. And I shared it to a few friends of mine and they loved it. And I think I was most excited when that got delivered more than any piece of equipment. So, yeah. Out of the thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars of yeah. equipment that's if not hundreds of thousands that are stored in all recording studios and this one as well. It was a couch it that excited the you the most. That was the thing that excited <laughs> me the most. Yeah. Speaking of other recording studios, you've obviously 
obviously just touched on, just open up your own studios, but yep. you've worked previously at The Grove yep. in Summersby. You've yep. also worked out in Sydney a little bit as well. Yep. How did you sort of get started in your audio producing, sound engineering, whatever job title you prefer? Totally. How did you sort of get started in that world? The the funny thing you mentioned was the thing about when you said the job title. I remember like I grew up here on the Central Coast and I'd go to those careers days and I was into recording when I was like 16, but the schools weren't as prominent yet, like the JMCs and the AIMS. They weren't as big yet. I remember walking around looking for like, do they do anything about like recording or like audio, but I didn't even know what title to mm. ask for. And then shortly after school, my friend found an audio engineering course at JMC. I'm like, that's the thing. That's exactly what I was looking for. So um, I studied at JMC. I did a Bachelor of Audio Engineering there. And then really fortunately, um, the Grove Studios, which is, if not the biggest, easily in the top three biggest studios in the country, probably it would be the biggest residential studio in the country where you can stay there. That's um, not too far from here. It's just up in, in Mangrove Mountain. And I reached out there asking if I could intern or help in any way. And the uh, new owners had just set up there and there was a great opportunity for me. I just used to come in on the weekends and you know, make coffees for the artists, do shopping runs, a lot of, a lot of alcohol runs intended to be, <laughs> um, you know, uh, water the plants, help people put microphones on stands, just the most basic tasks. But because of the calibre of the studio, um, there were world-class bands. Like Daniel Johns was the first artist in the studio when I walked in and I was like, oh, my God, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> so not that I worked with Daniel Johns, just, you know, helping, you know, very basic stuff. You've got his coffee and alcohol. Exactly. So... Um, I was there for a number of years, went through the ranks to be the in-house engineer, the manager there, built up my own credits and, you know, working um, with a lot of great local artists um, where I was the producers kind of the top of the hierarchy. So was kind of producing for a lot of independent local artists while I was also starting to assist or engineer, which is like the second or third in charge on the big, big records. Like, you know, where they're there for five weeks straight and you're talking like the top bands in the country. So mixing those two things together, fortunately built up a good credit base, um, a client base. And then I set up a small studio in Sydney. There was a good opportunity for me to start leasing a room. Um, was there through most of COVID um, but I wanted to stay on the coast. I love it here. All my friends and family are here and the commuting was obviously a bit. That's when I started thinking about I really want to space it a bit bigger than what I was leasing, started looking around and then I found this property to buy and set up here. Yeah. Can you run through for layman's like Eamon and myself? Mm. You just mentioned producers are top tier, then you've sort of got your, your engineers and the, what are the sort of different levels and what is their role in yeah. producing music? Yeah. So I guess if I went from the bottom up for anyone that's listening that may want to get into recording um, as a job in the future, usually you'll start out as an intern. So interns are, you know, they're making coffees, they're cleaning the studio, they're welcoming the artists. Um, pretty much that you're just, you're doing the the easy task to make the client feel comfortable and the studio feel great. And in exchange, you're usually sitting in and learning. Um, like a fly on the wall type of thing. Um, so that's your kind of entry level. Then you have an assistant engineer. So the assistant engineer is the person who is usually employed by the studio. Their job is usually to do basic computer operation. They will usually make sure everything's working. So they'll be patching. They'll be patching all the microphones, making sure everything's plugged into the right spots. Um, but they're not really doing any creative or highly technical things yet. They're just there to make sure everything's working and that the engineer and producer are operating. 
So that's the assistant's role. Engineer and producer, that's where it gets different. So this day and age with a lot of budgets, a lot of the time you're the producer engineer. So most of the time that's what I am now. The engineer's role is the technical. So pulling tones, doing all the equipment, making sure everything's working really well at a higher level. And then the producer's role is the creative. So they're the ones that we're talking about. Songwriting, song structure, feeling, emotion. And so if you're the engineer and there's a producer above you, they will say things like, I want the drums to sound really fat. I want them to sound really roomy. I want them to sound tight. Um, oh, that guitar tone's not right yet. It needs to be warmer. So they're giving you instructions and you have the technical know-how to execute what they're saying. Um, a lot of producers aren't even engineers. They don't really know a lot of the equipment. Sometimes they're you know, in bands or they're just a really good songwriter or something. So your job is to use your technical know-how to link their words to sounds. So they'll go, I want my kick to sound fat. It's like, well, fat probably means this. So you tweak, tweak, tweak. What about this? Like, yep, that's it. Thanks. And that's the separation of the roles. Interesting. Uh, that was a really good way. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. in terms, as a student of, <laughs> yeah. then I, I just really understood that. And yeah, I, I, okay. I mean, when you told the story about being young and walking around these careers fairs and like not knowing where the thing for you was, I was just thinking it's like so crazy that they expect us to have this figured out by yeah. age 17, 18. And then it's like, you don't even know what you could, like you said, you couldn't put your name, uh, you couldn't put your finger on, on what it is you actually want to do, even though you had a concept. Yes. And so hopefully this chat, if someone's listening out there and, and they're in school or whatever else, and hopefully they've maybe been able to put their finger on a career path that might interest them. Absolutely. And you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, I love music. I love listening to music. I feel like I know a lot about music, but I can't play an instrument. doesn't matter. Like it depends on the role type of producer you want to be. So some producers, like myself, a lot of the time when I'm recording bands, I don't pick up any, I can play instruments, but I don't pick them up. Like my job is to capture the band. Um, other producers though, maybe the more singer songwriter producers, um, they will work with an artist one-on-one where the artist can only play guitar. So it's their job to play lead guitar, bass, percussion, keys, drums. So if you are listening to this and you don't play an instrument, but you love music and would like to work creatively in music, being an audio engineer can be the exact role. I know phenomenal engineers that I don't even know. I don't think they can play any instruments. I've never seen them do it. So great career path potentially for anyone listening that loves music. Very cool. And, you know, we can never have too many of them. It's so good to, to see, I mean, this space you've created on the Central Coast and you've come from this fantastic um, studio at The Grove up yep. in Summersby and Mangrove Mountain there. Uh, as someone who's been in and around the, the scene on the Central Coast for so long, what's your – perspective on it in 2023 i mean you've been in sydney you said you wanted to return because you love yep. it here so much so really interested to know how you're thinking and feeling about what this scene looks like yeah totally i think um i i did grow up here and it's probably i mean a lot of people listening probably even remember you know the era recently where like half the people winning the voice in australia's got talent were from here you know fletcher pillen ellie drennan Chris Eden, like it was like three in a row, yeah. well, you know, so the, the quality has always been here. You've got, um, you know, like the Evoca Markets has always been a really good stomping ground for, you know, the singer-songwriter types growing up. Um, the thing that is getting better here, which I'm loving to see, is now venues and opportunities for bands. The talent's always been here, I think, since COVID with the push of the population up here. Um you know, there's the Lincoln pin down at Woi Woi and then at a higher level you've got drifters. Um, and although independent bands that are early on probably can't book out drifters for a show because it's a huge venue, that's where bands, huge bands are coming into town 
and a lot of the local bands are supporting them. So even, um, you know, like one of my assistants who's here, he's in an awesome band and he supported DZ Death Rays recently when they were here or Jebediah were in town and another band I knew was opening or Winterbourne local artists, um, they can sell it out because they're huge and Joel Leggett's supporting them. So uh, I think the mixture of a place like Drifters and um, the Kingdom Sounds crew that put those shows on um, that were originally part of Mountain Sounds and... What was the festival they just had at the entrance to? That really good one. Rolling sets. Rolling they sets. They announced the lineup. I mean, for this will mean nothing in terms of the time for recorded for those listening, but yep. they announced the lineup for that on Monday. Yes. They will be. So um really looking forward to that. But that's yeah. been unreal too. So that whole crew set up here as well. So yeah, I there's some really good people here. I know a lot of great artist managers that have been moving up from Sydney too through COVID and stayed up here. Um and you've always had the Grove here now. Damien Gerard, uh, the the Grove Academy, the local TAFE. So there's education and recording facilities here too. Uh, and we're smack bang in between Newcastle and Sydney. I think it's perfect. That The point you mentioned there about venues is such a huge point that we've sort of been crying out for for such a long time and mm. thankfully Drifters came along to sort of create that premier, if you like, venue. Yeah. And yeah. you set a great example there that a local bands might not be able to sell it out on their own, but they can support the bigger acts that come to yeah. town. The Moving Stills are supporting Teenage Dads yep. in a few months as well. Yep. They've obviously, they've got their own fairly sizable following here. Yeah, they'd be pretty close, I reckon, to being able to do that too. Yeah, yeah. but they, they, they do great in Sydney. They've done like all around the country they've been touring. Yeah. So it's awesome to be able to see them performing live as well. But like the recording studio side of it, it's such a big part of music. Yeah, it always has been, but I think even more now because so many people they can record at home. But if they want it professionally done, or they just want to send it off to be engineered or produced, yep. Yep. they come to places like here to get it done. What percentage of your clientele are that at home recording? And hey, can you yep. just touch this up for us? Yeah. And what percentage are okay? We want to completely record everything and have it all engineered and produced in house. Yeah. So it for my personal. Um, the genres I tend to work more in, uh, it's more they'll demo at home and bring it in and I'll redo it all because I tend to work with a lot of uh, bands with more acoustic elements, so drums, pianos, um, acoustic guitars, things like that. So usually the bands I work with will demo it up and just have an iPhone recording or something from home. They'll bring it in and I'll do it more. But if you're more in the pop world, or hip hop and stuff where a lot of the drums are more programmed. Uh, it's a lot of synthesizers. So not the need to have mics recording loud guitar amps and stuff. Um, sometimes it's, they might just come into a space like this to re-record vocals through really top quality gear in well-treated rooms and then getting it mixed and mastered. So that's the, the process after recording where we add all the effects and, um, you know, it's a very experienced ear that's usually listening across it. Um, to really take it to that next level. So, yeah, in the pop world, though, I mean, Billie Eilish, they made most of that record predominantly in their bedroom and they won a Grammy. Um, I guess it helps that Phineas is such an awesome producer and engineer yeah. himself as well. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, could a, could a loud rock band stay up late at night or early in the morning playing a huge Marshall amp and recording it? Most likely not. So, mm. you know, you come to places like this with well-treated rooms where everything's soundproofed and you can whack drums really loud and you've got, you know, 20 microphones that you can record those things. So, yeah, that's that's probably the trend I've noticed. It's more genre dependent. It's yeah. it's um yeah it's it's so cool to see. I mean, like looking stepping out and looking at the ecosystem of mm. music in the Central Coast and places like this coming about. And you were saying to us before we started recording, you get people coming down from 
Queensland and travelling yeah. from all over the place to come and stay here, you've got accommodation upstairs yeah. for them as well, which is really <laughs> <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we're allowed to have accommodation, but uh, <laughs> sorry, we, you, yeah. <laughs> you have a couch. <laughs> we have we have nice beds and couches. Should the band be tired at one a.m. and want to shut their eyes for an extended period of time, um, but yeah, like uh, fortunately. And it's awesome. Like I've had, yeah, uh, someone up from Melbourne, a couple from Queensland, talking to a band from Tassie, um, some bands while they're touring from the West Coast um, stopping by. Um, and fortunately that's usually because they – a lot of bands are usually more reaching out for the producer than the studio. So um, like building this space, for example, most of the time I get inquiries, it's because they want to work with myself. Um because that's more important. Usually the artist trusts that, oh, Jack works at this studio, the studio is probably good. So another thing I'm doing is although this is, you know, I own the studio, um, you know, I only record half the time. I'm mixing, I'm mastering, I'm teaching a bit. I like to have a day off occasionally. Um, <laughs> so a lot of I have a number of younger assistant engineers that, you know, kind of ranging from 18 to 22, 23 that I've also been training up and they're now working with the next wave of bands that are just starting out. So I might be in here with a maybe a, a slightly bigger band for a long period of time and then my assistant's in here with a band doing their first ever recording and that's awesome. So hopefully I can make this a bit of a hub for producers, engineers entering because we're a medium-sized space. It's not a huge studio that's thousands a day. So I kind of purposely targeted it for the, the more mid-tier um, budgets and just over delivering on that budget. That's kind of what I'm going for. It's like that studio is like really accessible. It's not too overpriced. They've got amazing gear and it feels good. That's kind of where I went for. Yeah. And that sort of training the next sort of level to come up, I know is quite a big thing for you because obviously you've been there yourself. You yeah. Know, looking through how can I get into this world, whatever this job title I want is. Absolutely. You're big on that and through the Grove as well, I guess you've seen so many people come and sort of move on into the next level of their careers. It's such a big space. They do the Grove Academy stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that's obviously a big part of what you're trying to achieve here as well. Totally. Um, I... I, most of what I know was from learning from the really great producers at the Grove. So, um, I owe that a lot. Even still, I'm still always learning and reaching out to other producers like that are above me for tips and tricks and sometimes paying for them to come and give me like private tuition too. So I'm still always wanting to learn. Um, even I know, you know, the, the huge ARI award winning producers that I've worked with and still know they're constantly still learning. Um, so by all means, I want to continue learning, but I love teaching the next generation through because I find that very rewarding and to be able to teach something, you have to know it so well. So it's almost like a nice refresher. So when I teach at the Grove Academy or I'm teaching someone here and I'm teaching them the fundamentals, it really actually reminds me of the baseline stuff. Like, oh, yeah, this microphone does X, Y, Z, and that's why we use it. So, yeah. <laughs> it is yeah. Good. It's good to know, and I suppose it goes at saying that the when we talk about opportunity, I mean, we talk about bands all the time on Homebrewed, um, mm. but, like, opportunity extends, particularly for an area like the Central Coast and wanting to see it flourish, it extends to all of those things, and you're yep. creating opportunities that weren't there 12 months ago yep. or, or whatever for now young emerging uh, engineers and producers and et cetera too. So that's that's really cool too. It's it's more encouragement with people to engage with music in yeah. whatever form and whatever capacity in our area, which I, I think and we think is 
It's super important. I'll tighten that one a bit for you at the top if you like. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, whether it's being an artist, manager, producer, engineer, um, obviously, you know, bands need heaps of help starting out. Um, but that is a big thing. I was fortunate that I had a really good opportunity um, to significantly help me to where I am today. And uh, hopefully I can give other people that opportunity too. And, you know, the more they use this space, you know, the, the more it's booked out, the better for me. Um, I've got great young kids using the studio when I'm not in here. Um, I'm upstairs mixing and mastering. Like it's just the busier, the better. So it's just a win-win for everyone. Um, a lot of the producers too, a lot of these young engineers, producers are in bands themselves too. So half the time they come in and start out recording their own bands because they're comfortable with them and then it sounds awesome and then their friend's band hears about it and that's how it tend to steamroll a lot as well. That's really cool. And, yeah. and in terms of like a band coming into the studio, it, do you have a, like, is there a, like, you know, what's a session with Jack Negro start with? Because mm. when you were speaking about the producer side to it, I suppose it's something I hadn't had properly um, defined to me before. And it, it's also, a bit, it's about feeling out their emotion and then mm. helping them put that into their music. So there's this whole emotional side. There's, there's obviously the technical side, there's everything yeah. in between. What's that like when you get a new band in and, and they're kind of laying out to you what their plans are and what they want to achieve? Yeah, I think so always before a session I'll at least have heard a demo or if they don't have demos, jumped on a call or a bunch of email chains like specifically asking for references is a big one. So references is me going um, – Hey Cam, like really keen to have your band in. Before you come in, can you just make me a Spotify playlist of like, you know, a couple of songs or as many songs as you want that you're really liking and you may roughly want to sound like? So they might send me something and it's got a, a June Rats song and a and a 1975 song and a, it's got these different elements. You're like, okay, they're kind of they're a grunge band, but they like the 1975, so maybe they want to play with synths a bit. Like whatever the combination is. But yeah, that's the big one, getting their references early and building a, a bit of a vision because you, you can come in and record something and make it sound like anything. It's like I could record a country singer-songwriter and make them sound like a grunge band if I want to. So building that vision early is the main thing and establishing where you want it to go. And then from there, you just use your experience and you kind of know how it's going to get there. So yeah, before coming in, it's all about the vision, the reference, getting everyone on the same page so that I understand where what they want. Then when they come in, um, usually you then start in terms of actually how we record. It's usually working with the most fundamental instrument first. So for uh, rock or surf rock band or indie stuff, usually it's drums because that's the big loud instrument that's holding it all together. But if I was doing a acoustic singer-songwriter like a uh, like someone like Joel Leggett, who's a great local artist, or saying I'd probably start with the acoustic guitar because that's what the song's going to be built around. Um, yeah, that's a bit of the order of how you first approach it. And what are you finding these days? Like obviously the musical trends change all the time. Mm-hmm. What are you finding is a common trend in music production now? Is Because I think I've noticed a bit more of an increase in synths and oh, yeah. those sorts of things. Yep. But what are you finding that you're working with more and more? Yeah, yeah. Um, since definitely. Uh, and I think it's great. Like when I was first growing up and I was, you know, into rock music and stuff and oh, since like that's fake and blah, 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 <laughs> like sticking my nose about it. But I love it now because when I have a band come in and they might be a rock band or they might be um, a more traditional style band, but they want to explore maybe drum sampling or um, synthesis. It, it's, it's a good way to break ground and give someone a new sound and an edge that might help them. 
um, stand out. So a common trend I've noticed a lot is, especially I'm loving a lot of the artists right now that are like singer-songwriter, like a Phoebe Bridges or a Holly Humberstone and stuff like that, where you've got this artist that's clearly wrote a song on a guitar and you can hear that in the production. The song is mostly her vocal on the guitar. Then underneath it there's like very obvious drum sampling going on or synthesizers and all this stuff that would typically be more pop or hip-hop, but it actually works really well under a female singer-songwriter or a male uh, singer-songwriter. Um, so when you're doing production like that, you, you'd be really careful where it's like, okay, the focus is the singer and the guitarist because that's how they wrote it and that's probably how they want it portrayed. But then underneath it's like, oh, there's a really weird drum loop going on over there and there's a weird synth playing the vocal melody in this ear and that just supports it. So, yeah, in terms of where the trend I've noticed, people are really embracing technology and fake virtual instruments um, to be actually used in a very creative way that doesn't make it feel unauthentic and unreal, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean because it's like I remember – however many years ago when a lot of these instruments were first becoming or, or being popularised and, and and then there was that perception of, of laziness or whatever else. But the way that it's been crafted since is now it's like it's not laziness. They're not just trying to make themselves no. sound better because they can. It's mm. like this is a whole new form of creativity that people are now using and they're using these in ways that couldn't have even been conceptualised probably, you know, 20 years ago or whatever else. And, and now they're – they're really prevalent in a lot of modern music. Absolutely. I, I think even maybe when I first started 10 years ago, you know, being a guitarist and in bands, if bands want to do synths, I might be like, oh, you're sure you want to like do that? That's going to make it change. And now I, I love it. And I, you know, synths are so broad, then they can sound so different. I actually find it more challenging going in and finding the right synth sound while it's easy to just plug in a guitar and off you go. So I, um, I had a great artist in the other day who's starting this new project. She's a, a local girl to keep an eye out on. Um, I won't say her artist name because she hasn't announced, but her, her name's Elijah, Eliza Schramm. Um, and she's like, I really love grunge music. Like she loves Violent Soho and June Rats, but she's like, but I really want electronic elements in it. Like she's like, I really want to is, – is, she's like, is that crazy? Like can I do that? And I'm like, of course you can. So we basically recorded a rock song but had like – you know, fat synths playing the bass melody and and underneath following the vocals. And it's cool. It makes it sound like you listen to it like, well, that's weird. What's this? This is different. And it grabs your attention. Yeah. Yeah, and it preach your ears. I, I, yeah. I suppose when you're um, producing like that, when you're in that role, do you feel like a, a fair responsibility in terms of like you're in a um, like a decision-making role when it's around someone's artistry and you're yeah. helping guide them. Do you feel this like feel responsibility to kind of make sure you get it right? Yeah. Which you clearly have, which is why you're here now. I just, I'm thinking from my perspective, like, man, I would feel a lot of responsibility. It's it, when I first started, just like anyone in any career, I probably was more approaching it to make sure, um, things just sounded really good and I didn't get things wrong. I was probably a bit more fearful of making mistakes rather than creating art, which would be totally normal. Like when you're new at any job, you just don't want to F up. Um, so my first roles were more like, oh, let's make sure everything sounds good and like that. And now when you get more confident, you know you can fix any problem. Like if something's out of tune or out of time or there's a clicker, but you can fix things. Um, yeah, now it's more the responsibility of – establishing that vision and executing the vision. That's the big one. It's like really clear vision with the artist early, what they want. And that can just be a quick conversation. Like five minutes you can chat to someone about music and be like, okay, like I think I 
get the world you're coming from. Um, I do feel that responsibility, but at the same time, I try not to let the the pressure of it stop the creative flow, if that makes sense. If something just feels good or sounds good, just go for it. And a big lesson I learned early was like an artist will have an idea and they'll be like, they'll say it in the back of your head. You're like, this isn't going to work. This is so weird. And the amount of times I get it wrong, like I, I wouldn't say anything. I'd be like, okay, we can try that. And then I heard it, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. So <laughs> I instantly learned to shut up. Any idea, if they want to try it, unless it's something that's going to take me 10 hours to set up, I'll do it because I reckon three quarters of the time it's actually been awesome or it stems off. It's like, oh, that's pretty cool. But if we, what if we did this? And they're like, oh, that's even better. And off you go. It's yeah. funny how some musical genres just work when they cross over with each other. I remember hearing, I think it was Marshmallow. Is it Marshmallow? Is that what I'm thinking of? Like, not sure. This is your story. Maybe it's not Marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, but it was basically like an electric act with like a, with uh, a day to remember. They sort of collabed yeah. on a song, like a heavy rock act. And I was like, why does this work? I think oh. I do. I know. I don't know. The, I can't answer your artist question, but I know that what you're talking about. Yeah. Now. And yeah. I was like, yeah. why does this work? Like it just, it just worked really well. What did you think was about it that worked for you? What did you think? I don't know. Yeah. I don't, obviously, but it felt I, good? I, it felt good to listen yeah, to Yeah, it was because I, I think I, I've sort of during, you know, your early teen years, you sort of get into a bit more of the heavier sort of rise against kind of oh, yeah. like grungier yeah. type music. And then obviously, you know, the whole naughties pop punk era has mm -hmm. such a special place in my heart. My, do you know the When We Were Young Festival, that huge one no. that's in Vegas? Oh, I'm going to that later this year and it's like Blink-182, Green Day, Offspring, Sun oh, 41, that, that, Rise Against. That whole era yeah. is just like, yeah, very near and dear to me. <laughs> so it was almost like that mixing with the more modern music and there was something about it that just, yep. yeah, it really worked for me. I think uh, other bands in that uh, one of the units actually that we teach when I'm up at the Grove Academy is um, it's about music analysis basically. And that's one of the things we talk of is hybrid genres. Like, you know, a big example that you're pretty close to there is like Bring Me the Horizon. They were a hardcore band in the when we would have been in high school, like just pure hardcore. And then they started adding synths and all messed up vocal chops and production. And they broke into the commercial market because of that. And that just took them to a new level. And maybe there's some OG fans who are like, oh, they sold out, this, that. But they've tenfolded their listeners. Um, so that's another great example. Or even, you know, an Aussie band that, um, i trying to think of a big, like, no, like a Sticky Fingers, they're arguably one of the biggest uh, bands in Australia of the last few years. And some of their stuff has like heavy, like hip hop style drums and production going on and synthesis. And yeah, I, I love it. I think it's great. And I suppose on that note, like we're, we're talking about how much music transforms and changes over time how do you as a, a producer and an engineer and someone supporting bands like so i heard something the other day mm. and it was like our most people's music taste is established and set in stone by like their 30s early 30s yeah. or something like that and that's why everyone's like well triple j's gone to the dogs <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? but then the next wave of young people are loving it yeah yeah, yeah. exactly and, and it was it, it detailed like scientifically like this is what happens in most people blah 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 Obviously, creatives like yourself are, are kind of outside of that because you're always engaging with and, and bands and stuff like that. But how do you or do you have this kind of thing in your mind where you're like, I've got to keep on top of what's happening and not not just, you know, sit back into the things that I'm comfortable and grew up with and that I love? That is a really, really good question um, and something I've like really 
tried to be aware of and thought of too um, because you're right, it's really easy to – I've only been doing this for about 10, 11 years, but even in that time things have changed and um, – I think because I get to listen to a lot of references from artists, I'm kind of noticing trends. So that instantly puts popular things in my face, which I love. And, yeah, just as you said, just being really mindful of listening to new sounds, what are the trends you're knowing, um, and when you hear something you're not familiar with, um, to study it a bit. And that I think recently that was a bit for me where I did a lot of – a lot of surf rock, grunge rock, and was super comfy in that lane. And I've been doing a lot of singer songwriter stuff that lately I've been giving references that I've like production things I've never heard. But when you do this for a while, you tend to know the skills that if you hear something, you can replicate it. Like if I sit there and listen to a track, I'm like, geez, that's an interesting sound. If you give me an hour, I can probably figure out roughly what they did. So, um, yeah, I don't even know if there's so much an answer to the question more that I completely agree with what you said and am very self-aware to make sure that I am staying current and am listening to what is fresh and not dismissing a new reference that's given to me. Like, oh, what's this shit? Oh, this stuff. Um, <laughs> we can cut that out. Um, it's, it's, it's fine. We'll it's get away fine. with it. Okay. It's fine. Uh, Just yeah. don't go any further. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the line. Yeah. I'll cross it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I just think that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. I just found it so fascinating and I was like, wow. And even just as a music consumer, I was like, I want to be really conscious to not – because, I don't know, it's just like you – so many people are just like, oh, that that new crap all the time. And mm. it's like, well, it's it's all art and it's all people's creation and it's all it's still music, like whether it uses a traditional instrument or not, whether it yeah. took them 10 minutes to make or – 10 hours to make, Yeah, it's all still people's creativity and they're expressing it in some kind of way. So it has merit. It has creative and artistic merit. Absolutely. So I, I just found it really interesting. I suppose from your perspective, you're in, you're in the belly of it. You'd have to um, have those kind of – those checks on yourself for, yeah. your, for your career and the people you're working with every day. And there's producers that have been around for decades that have um, that have done that and transformed with time and maybe in the 80s they were a big rock producer but now they're actually like – right up there in the pop game. Like it does happen. Um, am I allowed to ask like with you guys, with your show, do you get to pick a lot of the music that's getting played during your segments or does that get given to you? We, we handpick it all. So when you handpick it, um, is it, what are the, what would be like just one or two things if you're allowed to say it would, because this is good for me to know, what is it that makes you hear a song and go, Oh, I'd love that on the show. Is it something that's fresh or new or is it? Well, our, our whole thing is new and emerging Australian music. Yep. So we will typically only play it if it's new. Yep. Um, a lot of the times the submissions and requests that we get submitted, there is a bit of a bias or a sway to local artists because obviously of we're course. trying to showcase as many yep. locals as we can. And mm. it's, but I think a lot of it is production value. If yeah. we can hear there's quality in the production, regardless yeah. of the genre, yeah. we'll typically try and play it. It sounds like mm. it's of a standard where they've invested their time and money to get it done properly. Yeah. 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 And I, I suppose like, I remember someone asked me and they were like, do you just play like your favorite songs all the time? And I was like, well, we, we don't actually. And it's like a, because if we were to just play what we liked, it would be. Not a pop punk or yeah yeah like or, yeah, but yeah. It, like it wouldn't be reflective of what we're trying to represent and it's like we're, we're not try we're trying to make a, a show that kind of caters for a whole range of tastes and that showcases a range of artists so you got to sit down there and listen to them and engage with them if yeah. you're just stuck with what you we had a local rapper liked. 
send us a submission and it was like, this wasn't something I was really aware of that we had a scene for local rap yep. on the central coast. Yeah. Um, and until he reached out to us, we hadn't ever played rap apart from, I guess, the Hilltop Hoods or something like that on yep. our show. So it, it was really cool, I think, sort of discovering new people and different genres and, you know, I, I guess our our run-of-the-mill, if you will, is your indie rock type. Yeah. That's traditionally a lot of what we play, but we do play a lot of, you know, pop. We play electronic music. There's a bit of rap. Like yeah. Country folk. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And the country stuff's sort of picking up in popularity quite it's a quite bit too. quite big here on the coast too. Yeah. Like country you, and folks. Yeah, Chelsea Berman, obviously locally, yep. is a big champion of that. Um, who uh, was Lu- Lucy Powell? Is yeah, Lucy Powell. Powell. Yeah, yeah, she's got a bit of a country. Yep, twang to her little quirks. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of um, there's a, another studio that's a bit more of a, a private one than a commercial one, but um, Rod McCormack's studio. Mm, um, yeah. Him and Gina Jeffries. Yeah, they got a school and um, they produce just phenomenal singer songwriters. Like Lucy was one of those, and Kelly, who you've had on the show, uh, Alaskia. Um, a lot of great singer-songwriters have come through their school even and they tend to be more of the country folk world. Um, uh, yeah, another great actual music hub and some music people on the coast. Is there a genre of music that you don't touch in your production? You said a lot of it is your more traditional, like mm. your indie surf rock, but is if someone says to you, I'm an ex-musician, insert whatever genre yeah. it is, mm. Will you go, oh, sorry, I don't do that? Or will you work with anyone and work with a whole range, even though your expertise is more, I guess, yeah. Because yeah. Cam's got this experimental album <laughs> concept that he's working on. You know, it's 500 didridoos and, and yeah. some, um, some orchestral stuff and blending it all together. Yeah, yeah. All easy stuff. Um, so you think it's crazy, but it'll work. <laughs> yeah. um, no, uh, fortunately now... I can be a little bit more selective with um, what I work with, which is great. Um, but no, if anything, like I I now am more excited, probably because I guess now I've been doing it for 10 years, which isn't a long time, but probably for the last five to seven, I've really done a lot of a similar style and that's what I get just, I'm known for. So when I do get more of a pop artist come through or maybe a soul artist or something, that actually really excites me. Maybe the only thing I don't touch is like, I, I don't listen to a lot of rap, like more full-blown rap. I love hip-hop and like especially like, you know, Parliament and stuff where they've got real instruments and funk and I've done a bit of that and I love it. Maybe just full-blown rap is probably not my thing. I've worked with some like great um, country artists like, uh, yeah, like Lucy Powell I've done some stuff with and um, she's quite country, uh, Angela Rose. There's a few um, from the area in Newcastle I've done. Yeah, probably just not rap. Mainly too because I just don't um, – really fortunately, uh, not fortunate, I should say, I don't relate to a lot of the themes that are often sung in some rap music. A lot of the time, sometimes, again, this is something we teach, but rap's not huge on the Central Coast, but in areas of um, Western Sydney where a little bit lower socioeconomic in spots, that tends to be where a lot of that's formulated because it's so lyrical and it's so expressive of their hardships. Mm. Fortunately, I was very blessed to grow up here and... um, maybe because I don't connect with the music in that way because I'm not from that background it's probably maybe a reason I don't tend to touch it as much. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. It's a whole different kind of kettle of fish. And, and yeah, you're right, there isn't a necessarily huge hip-hop or rap scene um, here on the coast. Yeah. If if now you've kind of cast your mind ahead like five years' time, Sonora Studios mm-hmm. is um, 
been here a bit. What, how do you imagine this place being and, and what kind of role is this studios and your own production kind of playing in the Central Coast and, and beyond as well because you have so many people travel to see you? Totally. I, I mean, for myself, now that this has been a big um, thing on my mind and, and a lot of thought for the last year and a half to two years. So now that I've done this, it's been this awesome, like, not reset, but it's like this, oh, this is where I'm set up. This is where I've got all my gear. This is home. I'm not traveling to Sydney or I'm, you know, 10 different studios. It's like, so my, now the thing I'm really excited for is just making exciting, fresh new music and working with established acts to help solidify their careers, working with emerging acts to help break them into that next level. Um, so that's on a personal level, what I'm super excited about. Um, more for the space though, as we were saying before, just a really cool hub for the next generation too. Um, you know, the people that are now listening that are finishing high school or just out and they're in bands that um, – and hopefully a lot of bands are recording here and and with a bunch of really cool young producers and they're all connecting together. Um, and also too, I love – I love one of my favourite parts about teaching is um, the students tend to open up to you a lot too and they talk to you about, you know, the things they're going through and you can help them – plan their futures and especially when it is industry related. So even I'd love to do things here where I'm hosting some kind of monthly get together for young creatives on the coast or workshops or just, I don't know, just expanding into other areas other than just recording that can connect areas of the industry on the central coast. Saying I'm pretty excited about too. Yeah. So quickly, that screen went off. Is it still? That should be okay. It'll still, still recording. Be recording. I'll double check it just in case. Yeah, but it'll still that's record. that's fine. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I can repeat all that if not. No, that's fine. How good? I um, because I get nervous with that sort of stuff. Like even at our Coast FM studios, we can completely close the program <laughs> that we run everything that goes to air. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we'll try, you know, doing stuff between songs and we click a wrong button and it changes the whole format. And like, hang on, what happened there? It's easy just to close the whole system and then log back in and open it back up. Yep. And that scares me so much because I'm like, if I close this, like, I know it's going to air. Yeah. But what if it doesn't? There's <laughs> like, always. What if we've just completely screwed the whole programming up? Yeah, there's always. You'll usually do some kind of mistake once yeah. and then you want to do it. Like I remember once one of my first sessions I like accidentally – it was lucky it was like a friend and it was just a chilled environment where, you know, we weren't paying lots of money but I accidentally copied over the day's recording. It was like I back up every day and I backed up a day before over the day we just did. And I'm like, cool, I won't make that mistake again. I haven't done it again in like nine years. Um, something happened, yeah, one of the – when someone else, a, yeah, a student of mine, something like that happened where they just like lost a whole session and yeah. we figured out how it happened. And we're like, well, it's like, that's all right. Like you won't make that mistake though, you know, I'm sure. And they're like, oh, I definitely won't. So, yeah. We've lost recordings before. Yeah. yeah. Interviews, yeah. whatever. South Summit you might have heard or even Yeah, WA guys. They're unreal. Yeah. During COVID, nice Zoom recording and finished up and cool, thanks. See you later. And we got about three minutes saved and the rest of it. And you Not can't, like, and you, you, yeah, at that point, you can't get them back in. And we've also actually, we've done it multiple times. Yeah. We also did an interview where the wrong, I had, you know, plug and play type, the Roadcaster, mm -hmm. um, Roadcaster Pro, but I had the wrong input selected in my door. So it was coming out oh. of my 
laptop microphone as opposed to Ooh, the so nice professional sounded, microphones we set up in front. So sounded that was, nice uh, and roomy. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You, know, you make those mistakes and, you know, you now you double check and you move on and That's you right. learn from all these things. You mentioned, and we've touched on a few names that you've worked with mm-hmm. in the past. This is your chance now to name drop. Oh. Who, who have you sort of over your, your 10 plus year career, who have you worked with that sort of, what session have you enjoyed? I don't want to, you know, top, t- you know, favourite yeah, sessions, yeah. but what have you, what sessions and what bands have you really enjoyed working with? I guess if I was talking about some that felt like a baptism of fire, um, pretty early in my career, maybe when I was only about five years in, I, I got to engineer an album for DMAs, their second record for now. Um, the producer, Kim Moyes, who's one half of the presets, yeah. he was the producer. Yeah. So he he is fairly technically proficient by all means. Like he, he does know what he's doing with this gear, but um, I was the in-house engineer at The Grove. They wanted to record the tape. Um, it was a very big session with like two drum kits set up and like, you know, 40 mics live at a time. Wow. So that was a huge step. And I feel like when I got through that one, I was like, okay, I can, I can do this. Um, uh, another one I did, yeah, up at the Grove, um, did Amity Afflictions latest record. Again, like I fortunately did listen to a lot of heavy metal growing up, so I was very familiar with them and the genre, but I hadn't actually worked on a hell of a lot of heavy, heavy metal, more rock and indie rock. So um, I was a little nervous with that, but fortunately knowing the genre, I think that helped me a lot. And again, same thing, it was just such a big session and such a big band um, that uh when I did go through that and, you know, we're recording drums, like, oh, the drums sound great and everything's sounding good. You're like, oh, okay. And um, so that was awesome. But, you know, getting to foster um, in the last couple of years, you know, I've worked with a lot of great Sydney, Central Coast, Newcastle kind of bands that probably the tracks I did help break them through. Not by any means that I was the key factor. It was a bit of timing, luck, and that you were of a level to help get their song sounding great. But, um, you know, bands like the Terry's kind of blew up when I started doing some stuff with them, Pacific Avenue, uh, Surf Trash from Newcastle, um, local artist Joel Leggett, who who does really, really well. I did his first album when he was still in high school. Um, yeah, so I, I'm actually, I you get, when you get to do this a bit, and fortunately, you know, I'll have more established bands reach out. There's one thing when an established band reaches out, you do a good job, the song gets some radio attention, you're like, cool, I did the job I was employed to do. It's more exciting when you get a new artist, mm. you do their first couple songs, and all of a sudden they go from like here and actually get some attention and um, that's really exciting. That is actually more of a- It's really energising, hey. It is. Yeah. It's awesome. So like by no means am I, when I say I get to pick with who I want to work with, that doesn't mean I'm not listening to like this just because a person's never released music. Like there was this artist that came up from Melbourne recently, I won't say her name yet. We just finished a song. It was her voice and a guitar recording and I instantly sent it to my manager. I'm like, hear this, this is awesome. So hopefully, like, we did this amazing track that I'm really proud of. Um, I would be so stoked if this got her a nice little head start in the industry. That would give me probably more of a kick than a established band coming in and getting some Triple J rotation because I just more did my job. Mm. Well, that's more like, oh, you really helped something. Yeah. Shaping a career. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the really rewarding stuff. And we've sort of mentioned it quite a few times in the interview, but that is something you're big on for the local music scene. As yep. well, like so many local musicians, you are trying to give as much of a push as you can to try and help them in their careers. Yeah, absolutely. You're really passionate about the local music scene. Totally, totally. I grew up here, um, played a lot of gigs at like Erina Youth Centre and the Chili Lounge at Wyong and the PCYC up there. So, um, 
it's a growing area. We've got a huge population. It's a beautiful part of the world. We're right between Sydney and Newcastle. It's it's all here. And the more great bands that start recording here or at any of the studios, um, the better likelihood of better shows coming from those, which maybe will encourage more people to start up venues or put um, you know better events on, more festivals. Um, like, for instance, I kind of – like the Wollongong music scene really blew up maybe like – five, six years ago, and I feel like there's no reason we won't mm. do what they just did, you know, with yours and ours and things like yeah. that. Mm. But they really took a big step about five, six years ago, and I feel like the next couple of years here are going to really um, follow suit. I think Wollongong's a great actual comparison, which I don't think we've heard before, like comparing yeah. the coast to Wollongong because it is, you know, it's a little bit outside of Sydney but yeah. still close enough to Sydney and I guess the big – venues there but it's yep. also got its own culture and community and its own vibe around it and yeah you know, there's heaps of bands that have come out of Wollongong heaps. and down heaps. on the south coast that we've played on our show and you know the vans are probably one of the bigger vans. ones that come to mind straight away yeah we know as well that at least if if you haven't heard it the government has because in terms of their strategic um <laughs> five cities nighttime economy planning Wollongong and the central coast are part of that yeah um presumably because their proximity to Sydney population sizes. Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're close to Sydney. We're close to the beaches. We've got beautiful bushwalks. Like, it's all here. It um, is. It is. Sim- and, you know, Wollongong has the uni. We've got Newcastle uni. Like, it is it is a similar thing. Um, the one thing I think Wollongong has more of that we will hopefully get to is smaller accessible venues for yeah. bands. We've probably only got off the top of my head there. There's the Lincoln Pin in Woiwe, uh, Mumbo Jumbo, so some really cool yeah. events there too. Then it's more the Rhythm Hut was that spot. There's a um, bit in Wombrel, the Wombrel Ocean View oh, is doing, has yeah, been doing some, the um, surf club. Surf club. Yeah, I yeah. I went to a Rum Jungle gig out there recently, a band I've done a bit of work with as well. They're a Newcastle band and they, there would have been, I think it's a, maybe a 500 cat room there and there's probably about 350 people in there, like, which is awesome for a, a young Newcastle band to mm. have 350 people come out to that. Yeah, so that's another really cool venue. Um, and again, the better the bands are, the more events like that can happen and be self-sustaining, um, which would then encourage more young people to want to be in bands and want to record and more people wanting to be recording engineers. And yeah, The well, flow-on hmm. effects yeah. are very real. Like we were off-air we're talking about soccer, football, another sort of passion that we both have. It's yep. the same arguments that go on in Australian football is that, you know, now we've got the A-League established, that's the pathway through to the national team, through to overseas. Yep. How do we get the academies to, pr- pr- to produce for the A-League? It's almost like the same system can be related to music where you get this thing established and working and then you inspire the next generation to come through. The Women's World Cup's on at the moment. How many young girls are going to be watching their heroes on TV now and going, yeah. I'm going to be the next Sam Kerr, I'm going to be the next Caitlin Ford, the next Steph Catley, whoever. Yep. The same thing's happening in the music industry. They're going, oh, I'm going to be the next June Rats. I'm going Absolutely. to be the next Hilltop Hoods, whoever. And festivals are something we're seeing a lot more on the coast yep. as well. Obviously the mountain sounds shut down. Yes. Hurt the industry and the local music scene quite a bit. but. Yep. Rolling sets, now two years in a row at the entrance. We saw yep. Council do the Central Coast Music Festival. Yep. There seems to be a lot of positivity with Drifters Wharf opening as well, a lot yep. of positivity around the local music industry. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that crew too with Kingdom Sounds that run Drifters, um, there is a local uh, group called Central Coast Music Group, which was – They're fantastic. Yeah. Have you met um, – uh, uh, God, I've – 
Greg Carey? Greg, yeah. Yeah, mm. Greg. Um, so Greg, uh, he's actually my manager's boss. So he has a company. So I'm actually under his management <laughs> wing too. So yeah. I met Greg a couple of years ago and he started Central Coast Music Group. So that's yeah. got Greg. It's got the Kingdom Sounds guys. Um, I was there um, as a producer and then people from the Grove were also there. Um, other artist managers are there. Um, Brad from Evoca Markets is a part of it. So got all these people that are very great at what they do in their niches mm. um, that live here. They talk about how great it is. They want to do great things. And um, that was when that started was really close to when Drifters started as well. So yeah. um, that is what, you know, it's because of those connections that we are getting bands like um, who'd we say before, you know, who's played at Drifters has been DZ Death Rays, Jebediah. Holy Holy. Holy Holy's mm, been there. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, oh, uh, Spacey Jane were just out there Spacey the other week. Jane. They're, they're the biggest indie band in the country right now in Australia. Yeah, huge. Their numbers are through the roof. Mm. Um, Teenage Jazz on the Way, Elijah and Delusional was there not long ago. Yeah. It's William um, Bear coming Boy up. Bear, Winterborn yeah. are there this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Terry's so, um, put on a great show there. Yeah. And the presets um, are playing. DJ sat there on oh, Saturday too. <laughs> I missed out. My friend really wanted to go and she's like, oh, we'll get tickets and I missed out. And I was like, well, I haven't spoken to Kim in a couple of years, but maybe I'll yeah. play Kim. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Kim, I haven't spoken in a couple of years, but <laughs> if Kim's watching and listening, I'd love to come catch up <laughs> and see the preset show. Yeah, yeah. there is so much happening and I suppose um, it would be remiss of us before we do let you go to, to not ask if you can name drop. Who are you ones to watch, whether it's local, whether it's around the country? Do you have artists that you work with that you just uh, keep an eye on them? Yeah, um, ones to watch, yeah. I think if, if I'm talking about local artists, um, yeah, young Ruby Archer is one to keep an eye out on. I uh, started working with her when she was about 14, which is so ridiculously young, but she was really talented and um, she's starting to get the deten- the the attention school principal mode here um, uh, she's actually studying up at the Grove Studios Academy at the moment she's learning some production as well um, uh, I can see that for her mm. yes we've interview- interviewed her two or three times I think now as part of our show and yeah I can definitely see that in her future as well as just being an amazing musician yeah. just being the production yeah. side as well um, and yeah some I haven't worked with which we were talking about before uh, Little Quirks uh, I've never worked with them but they're just phenomenal and they're really taking big strides for if we're talking Central Coast artists, um, Alaskia, uh, Neve as well, um, Lucy Paul. There's heaps. There's so, so many singer-songwriters and a lot did start um, from, yeah, working, uh, busking at Terrigal or at the Evoca Markets or that's where a lot of these started and then they become a Nathan Hawes or an Ellie Drennan and go on those shows and go really well or um, without those shows even still streaming and doing huge numbers. So uh, there is a lot of talent. I think just always keep your eye out for like that person that I was saying that was busking at a market or has their CD or vinyl or whatever it is these days for sale. Um, that's where a lot started. That's where a lot of them built mm. their craft. Winterbourne. Winterbourne, mm. who um, have the big show on, well, this is airing a couple of days, but this Saturday, um, Winterbourne are playing. They started, I don't know if you've ever seen the videos when they were busking in Sydney. Yeah. Um, that's what started them. Yeah. Like monster crowds would gather for them and I think people started to be aware, like, oh, we need to go watch that duo, we need to go watch that duo. And, yeah, and then they got picked up by um, Island Records. and They're someone that, up. for us, we're still baffled that they haven't had more national recognition. Mm. Like either on a Triple J or whoever, but they just 
there's someone that their, their music to us is like it's incredibly catchy. It's mm. fun and easy to listen to. Yeah, it's just awesome music. It's really good. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. it's unreal. And yeah, both guys grew up on the coast, and um, yeah, they started busking in Martin Place, and before you knew it, there was like three, four hundred people coming to watch their sets. Um, yeah, so always keep your eye out for those people. And I've had it heaps of times where I've I've met someone at like 14, 15 at an open day or they've come to visit the studio and then they'll come back like a year later or something with a demo or something and you're like, whoa, like <laughs> you're that kid. <laughs> like, it, it does happen. So I always try and keep a really open mind with whoever I'm meeting that um, uh, that they could could one day be anything. Some yeah. experimental projects still in the mix. It's that's, a that's chance. Good. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> definitely young, young Cameron with his um, experiments. Not so young, but yeah. 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 <laughs> All the pots I'm and pans are out. Down to record it. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes out saying as well, support them. Um, and, you know, um, Jack, you're here now. Um, Sonora Studios, Tugra, this is where people can find you. Yep. Um, where else can people connect with you uh, if they want to learn more about you, see what you're up to? Yeah, so the Instagram is Sonora Studios AU. Um, I'm always on there posting stories and responding to people. So feel free to message me on there. Um, our website as well, which has all our details is sonorastudios.au. Um, yeah, hit us up if you want to come for a tour. We've got a great team of young producers as well as myself here. Come chat to one of us, have a coffee, check out all the amps we've got and, um, just, just to talk about your music and what you want to do in the future and where we might be able to align something to help you take those next steps, get your music out there and your art and sharing it around and, and start promoting that at shows. And that's, that's how it all grows. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, don't know what we're doing with this, but thank yeah. you for watching. This we're, is something we're, we're not used we're to doing. appreciate water here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> thanks Bye. so much, guys. Thanks Bye. for coming. Well, that, that's, that's the other thing. That's just thanks for coming in. But, again, we've come to Thank you, you for yeah. visiting me, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a collaborative, you know, um, whatever, whatever collaborative invitation. You invite us to your space and, yeah. and then you, we'll, we'll have you on the podcast and the show. It's a win-win. Yeah, no, totally. Thanks, yeah. so That was fun. I really thank you. that. <laughs> That went quick. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's just like, I was, I, well, I'm, I'm getting dinner with a mate and I was like, yeah, I'll be around for some, you know, come grab me at seven. Yeah. seven now. Oh, sorry, <laughs> mate. Sorry.